Yes, honey, the mother of dragons is here. <laughs> Tuesday, November 13th, and this is the latest episode of your Typed Out Podcast. I am your host and creator, Nick Palafrone, and joining me today is my favorite Taurus, soul cousin, and happy half-birthday, Allison Strickland. Ooh, it's my half-birthday? It's your half-birthday today. Oh, where's yeah. my present? Um, it's being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Thank to you. To <laughs> introduce none other than one of our most favorite people, Colin Bedell. Colin. Yeah. Yay whose new book, A Little Bit of Astrology, was released last week and is on bookshelves across the world. How cool is that? And I think it's already on like some bestseller lists for the category. Get out of here. I think he's doing the damn thing. Okay, Colin. I know. We see you. I know. Congrats on the success. And I love it. It is it is the best 101 like beginner book of astrology. And do you know why? It's because he, I... I it sounds sponsored, but it's not. But I truly do feel, <laughs> I truly do feel like this. It's like reading through it. I'm just like, oh my god! Finally, a beginner's book for astrology that doesn't dumb it down and that doesn't tell you like the most basic things ever. It's just like, okay, yes, I'm a Taurus. I get it. I'm stubborn. What else you got? Right. And it's like I feel like he really does kind of get in there in a new way that's very consumable for us astrology dabblers out there yeah it's truly an astrology 101 where it's like uh but i I feel like more so than people just saying oh this is my sun sign and this is what it means and i carry these three major characteristics with me it's it's really getting to the heart of what that sun sign means and then how your rising and your moon signs also influence your personality as a whole yeah and then the deeper you go which um i've told colin like it's such a great intro that it makes me want him to write the next level, like astrology yes. intermediate and then astrology advanced. And then what comes from that? Yes, so. Colin, take us all the way yes, there. Yes, I want seven books like a Harry Potter series. <laughs> I Do want you an encyclopedia of Adele Tannica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Allison, I wanted to get into a few things with you regarding astrology, but specifically today we're going to be talking about um, Cancer has ascended into the North Node as of last Tuesday. This was a thing I found out through Colin. And as we saw last Tuesday, 39 women took seats in Congress, which is a historical moment for us. I mean, it's one of those things that the work is not done and it's just begun, but it was so nice to feel a little bit of hope again. I was just like, oh my God, it is incredible. And and we needed it. We needed that um, infusion of hope to know that, like, I think at this point, part of us almost expects the bad thing to happen yeah. you know but now well, it's, the last two elections were so disheartening it was yeah. kind of hard to so hold the faith to keep hope alive it's like all right here's my vote yeah a wing and a prayer and but it's moving uh, it's moving it is moving and just know that there's always hope if you're out there to find it there so. was part of me that i'm like maybe i shouldn't be so like dualistic about this and i should be more whatever but those people probably aren't listening to this podcast so it's no. like yeah. We could talk freely. Which I hope that you are. I hope that you are expanding your horizons That's a very because good point. that is what Typed Out is here to do. So every Tuesday, we're here to have conversations that will hopefully expand your universe. Oh my God, yes. Let me not be exclusive. No, you're being you and you're being real. <laughs> Scorpio Moon. Okay. I'm not saying I don't want them to listen. I said that the probability is that they aren't, but I hope you are. And if you are, hi and yeah. welcome. <laughs> Hello, Mike Pence. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to have you. Oh my god, just let Mike, us, we need to talk. We need to talk, Mike. And if you ever <laughs> want to come on and like be a co-host of something, you let me know, all right? I love how we're talking about Colin and all of a sudden the both of us become Long Islanders. We're Long like Island moms. Such a poser. I'm from Seattle. I could not be more West Coast. As you can probably hear my voice. <laughs> so Allison is originally from Seattle. Yes. And you've been how long in New York now? Almost four years. Oh my gosh, I just turned my fourth. November 1st. I know, you're a pro. Yeah, kind of, kind of. (laughs) Been beat up, chewed up, and they tried to spit me out, but I'm still here. (laughs) Like bad gum. Uh, But I haven't lost my taste. I'm still pepperminty. (laughs) I don't know what that means, y'all. I don't know what that means. But so one thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, your painting. So your painting is so, one, beautiful. If you're not familiar with Allison's work, you should definitely check her out on Instagram at 
underscore Allison Strickland. Is that Allison correct? Strickland underscore at Allison Strickland underscore, and you will see some of her beautiful artwork. Which we're talking um, to you, Mike Pence. We're talking to you, Mike Pence. Better <laughs> check it out and buy something for the White House. Okay, spruce it up a little. Uh, So one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, regarding your painting, which is mostly watercolor and acrylic acrylic based, Mm -hmm. is that you largely use feminine representation. Mm -hmm. And so I was just wondering what inspires that? Oh, aside from it being about time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Um, I, I really just love, I grew up in a family full of women and my grandpa, bless you, Grandpa Al, um, he was definitely a rock in my life but the majority of the people it's like I it was my mom my sister my grandma my aunt and that was pretty much it and so I really only navigated in the feminine mm. I mean for better or for worse because here's the thing that um it's not that I feel like I love the divine feminine to the exclusion of the divine masculine it's just something that I'm more comfortable in and I actually will say that healthy divine masculine is something that I have been really focused on inviting into my life, Mm. Um, but it's kind of like the divine feminine is where I live, which is emotion-based, I am not afraid of the dark, I mean I was afraid of the literal dark growing up, (laughs) but you know as far as like emotional whatever, it's like I, I got it, like I can go there, I love going there, I love getting to the heart of the matter, I love just that real that realness i Mm. love um give me the whole messy piece of you i love all of that stuff um the tricky part about the divine feminine is also kind of just like this formlessness which is when the masculine is healthy it, it helps us form this container so we really do need both because in order for the um flow to really work at its best it needs a little bit of guidance um But yeah, that's really where I'm coming from. I don't even think it's conscious that I mostly paint women. I think it's just natural for me. Uh, It was never like, you know, I'm going to go and paint women of all different sizes, all different shapes, all different colors. Um, It just kind of came out because that's what's around me. Yeah. And and just to clarify, uh, the divine feminine is associated with the darker, quote unquote, darker elements. Yeah. Right. So just for anyone that may need a little extra clarification on the darkness, when we associate the divine feminine, and the divine masculine, uh, it would equate to the yin and yang. Correct? Exactly. Or sunlight, moon, mm. day, night. The divine feminine is the, yeah. the beautiful night. The yeah. inconstant moon, as they say, yes. which is my ruling luminary as a cancer, which is the mother of the zodiac. And I just gravitate towards that in the way that I too have had strong female presences in my life, you being one of them. Um, But specifically my own mom, my sister, my aunt, the women that my brothers have have taken as wives. That's so so weird and archaic, (laughs) but like my sister's in laws. <laughs> they were not traded for a dowry, I promise. But like, oh it, it's true though. The the women in my life hold such a strong presence, and I can't help but have deference for that, you know. And yeah. and it makes me uh, embrace that energy within myself and really honor it in a way that it's all about balance. It's the yin and the yang. It's 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 celebrating the divine feminine and the divine masculine, you know. Where again, I, I think we live in one of the greatest times to really truly express yourself in a way that you can do so more publicly with hopefully less backlash backlash, negativity and hopefully violence as well but we're, we're living in a time where you can really explore your gender expression and you know that's one thing that i often think about even though i identify as male it's also embracing that female energy within me as well and mm-hmm. and knowing that these two things can coexist and when they are both embraced from that healthiness as you referenced that in tandem there's something so beautiful right it's not only that they can coexist is that they actually should coexist yes and i think there's a lot of this whole idea of the feminine ascendant trying to dethrone the masculine and it's like no it's actually we're just fighting for the space that 
um we i'm i'm like <laughs> stepping into You're like, like shut the, up ladies <laughs> yes. i'm here i'm here i'm queer and you better get used to it you know i will take arms with you any day any day y'all but um again why am i suddenly becoming like it's colin it's all colin's energy the the fierce long islander him. and also maybe in a past life i was a, a mom from long island who knows <laughs> i'm over here drinking my pumpkin spice latte don't come at me yeah i, I think it's it is now about fighting for equal space and saying that it's not about who is greater it's about working together because that is what we're meant to do you know as a species is to truly work together and that's hopefully something that typed out is helping with or striving to help out with definitely so allison what does astrology represent for you i i love patterns Mm. um i always tell people like astrology is not my bible i don't live and die by it but you can't deny the patterns um i've always looked at my horoscope and it's always been a way of self-study that I really felt like for the first time stepping away from a more traditional spiritual path that I felt like oh here's something that reflects me and I can't explain why Mm. I can't explain why this feels so specific I can't explain why all of these kind of puzzle pieces fit together in a way that says oh you know the fact that you have an inclination towards this isn't random um yeah i just think that's fascinating it's like the closest my brain can get to math (laughs) (laughs) same oh my gosh yeah it's it's a cosmic design like the one thing that i love is how neil degrasse tyson one of my favorite people on earth um and crush and and maybe a slight nerd crush (laughs) just like a little let's call you out but i'm just saying hi neil yeah hey neil i mean since you have nothing better to do but listen to this podcast (laughs) you don't know his life that's true he might um, like astrology like i would really enjoy a private um wait what (laughs) (laughs) what i'm saying is if you would like to give uh a friend a tour of your rocket ship of your what He has a rocket ship in his office. What I'm saying is, if you would like to sit down and have a conversation about astronomy, I would very much appreciate that. That got real weird. (laughs) But I'm here for it. You're red. I love it. I'm so red right now. Woo! Okay. But... I'm sorry. I'm being naughty. No, it's okay. I (laughs) I love it. We got real heavy and then real light. (laughs) But (laughs) light in the loafers. Um... (laughs) One thing that I love that Neil deGrasse Tyson says is that we are all made of star stuff. Yes. And so, yes, that's true. I mean, we are made of the same particles that came from the Big Bang. Mm. And so with that being true, how could we not be affected by the movement of the planets and the astral bodies and the luminaries? Like, how could we deny that the planets and the universe, how could we deny that these things do not affect us, that they okay. don't have resonance with the lives that we live and the movements and mm-hmm. how, because things are so beautifully complex beyond our ability to understand. That's why there are still areas that we don't know about. Space, we're still discovering that it's like, just because our our imaginations can be limited or our scope of understanding can be limited, doesn't mean that the power of the divine is. Yeah. It's always weird to me when people fight in terms of I'm an, I'm against this, when it, we're talking about like the esoteric spiritual world, where it's like, I don't believe in that. It's like I kind of get saying, I don't strongly believe it, but I can't prove against it. So it, it's, it is always bizarre to me when people come hard with like, astrology is stupid. And it's just like, are you so bitter? Like, you don't see a pattern at all? And I want to be like, you haven't met Colin yet. Exactly. (laughs) I have a book for you to read. I have a a book for you to read. (laughs) Speaking of, we should defer to the expert. Give us the tea, Colin. (laughs) Give us the tea, Colin. Let's get into it. In today's Typed Out podcast, I have a very special guest who is also known on Instagram and Facebook as Queer Cosmos. Joining me is none other than Colin Bedell. Colin, welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Today, 
your new book, A Little Bit of Astrology, is on bookshelves across the nation. Yeah, I'm going to say the nation. I think it's the world, actually, because I know that I have uh, spaces in South Africa, the United Kingdom, Australia, and random bookstores throughout the rest of Europe. So, yeah, it's international, baby. Amazing. Last week, I interviewed um, Kellen Garrity and Jason Hess, who are from South Africa. So we should definitely let them know that a copy of A Little Bit of Astrology will be uh, in their local bookstores. Yes. And actually, one of my colleagues, her name is Mecca Woods. She is launching her book called Astrology for Happiness and Success. And she's the first black woman to publish an astrology book in a decade. And she's doing a book tour in South Africa. Get out. Okay. So we definitely need to get all those details, which we can share with our listeners. Yes. So they can, uh, Keep a lookout for that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Will do. So, Colin, I've had the pleasure of reading um, a little bit of astrology. And one, I just have to say, it's so beautifully written. And the way that you compare the planets to being an orchestra or a symphony Mm. and how each one is, you know, responsible for its own section within that song is so beautifully illustrated. Oh, Nicholas, thank you. You will make me cry. So please. (laughs) (laughs) Not the intent. Not the intent. Damn it. I know. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. Of course. Very vulnerable and unsure about that. But then I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And it feels very good to hear that feedback because I didn't even mention that to you, nor have I mentioned it to anybody. So the fact that you picked up on one of the greatest vulnerabilities I have around the work uh, means a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, it definitely comes from a very well, one, the whole book is written from a very uh, wizened perspective. You <laughs> definitely did your research. And I love that it is cited and sourced. And then also coming back to the way that you do reference the music aspect. I, I have to ask, do you have a background in music only because of the way that you reference time signature? And it is almost as if you are creating your own symphony in your writing. Oh, Nicholas, you're killing me. Um, I do have a very elementary experience with music because I used to play the tuba. And I played the tuba from when I was about 10 years old to 14. So I studied music in in, uh, in middle and high school for four years. Uh, actually, 16. I was 16 when I stopped. Yeah, so uh, six years. And my, I come from a very musical family. They were never trained in anything. None of them know how to play instruments. They're not like, you know, professional vocalists. But music was just always a part of my extended family's culture. And we connected really deeply to that. So I also have sort of realized that most of my writing almost has a kind of lyrical rhythm to it. And I and I think it's uh, it's very ingrained in my in my brain and my soul, but not any formal trained experience outside of band really but yes yes also i love that you're playing the tuba so like it's <laughs> go big or go home exactly well you know a size queen when you see one nicholas right so <laughs> dude that thing weighed more than me it was huge, huge. I bet. and i actually funny story i was going on to a stage to like you know join a tuba ensemble because there's this thing called tuba day on long island where like you know the bass section you know was shown some love and i fell off the stage with a tube in my hand i walked right off the stage i couldn't see where it ended and i fell in front of like maybe 400 people it was beautiful oh bless you know the the (laughs) same thing recently happened to paula abdul except she didn't have a tuba in her hand oh god bless and she's a gemini too but you know what we get up and we're like what we did that on purpose shit that's right i heard it's all about recovery it's all about recovery i I got up like miss congeniality so quick like it my it was crazy and everybody was like rushing to my aid which was very sweet but it like the tuba nick like bounced down the aisle it was the worst but i like kind of loved it That's amazing. See, it has left you with a lasting impression so yes. that you can now use it to inspire your your new work, your new exactly, line of work. Exactly, exactly. Like that's when I knew I did not belong as a professional musician yeah. and I started writing instead. So yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I really appreciate about a little bit of astrology, Colin, is that it is such a nice introduction to astrology. Now, I've had the pleasure of of chatting with you in person before, and I know how well integrated into astrology you are and also our, our, our friend network. Yes. And sometimes the 
uh, the language can be very dense and almost sort of foreign. I know. Especially when it gets more complex. But you do such a great job in the book of breaking it down into digestible bits so (laughs) that the reader can really understand and follow along with you as to the, the fundamentals of astrology. Mm, That is such a joy to hear. Thank you, Nick, because I firmly believe that that feedback is completely accurate. I think the language is very technical, and I think that the solution to astrology students' kind of questions lives in context. And I don't know if contemporary astrology makes that leap to up to supply a context that makes students feel inspired and invited and accessible to the conversation. So yeah, thank you. Of course. I mean, I like to think of astrology as, you know, it has so many layers to it. And there is a lot of overlapping with uh, sort of design in a way, I I guess, more mathematical design, in which you're using very specific uh, terms, which might be daunting to someone who's at the very beginner level like myself. But right. what I felt like you did very well in the book was to sort of lay that foundation so that hopefully the next Colin Bedell book can build <laughs> on that foundation. That would and be we can become masters in right. of our own destiny as it uh, were. I love it, Nicholas. Well hopefully that can happen because it's true. As soon as the first one was done, I was like, you know, I may have a couple of more in me because this was this had to be really tiny. So I hope I can make the next one a little bit uh, longer with the word count. So thank you for saying that. Of course. So one thing I would love to jump into, especially at the beginner level with astrology, because I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, have heard astrology. Astrology definitely has risen to um, a level where most everyone sort of knows their sun sign, their rising sign, their moon sign. But I feel like it's surface level. Right. So could I ask you to please give like a brief description of the sun, the moon and the rising sign for our listeners who may be beginners like myself? Yes, absolutely. So before I do that, it's really important to understand the way that astrology is calculated. So any astrologer is looking at the position of the eight planets and two luminaries, right? So that's the sun, the moon. And then the rest would be Mercury to Pluto, because Pluto is still, an astro- uh, still a planet in astrology. Work. And right, it's, and and still one of the best sailor scouts who doesn't get the respect she deserves. But that's a whole other conversation we should whole geek out on. Other conversation. <laughs> right. So you take those really kind of ten celestial bodies, right, and you find out where they are in relationship to the twelve zodiac constellations because when you say hi my name is nicholas and i am a cancer what you're saying is hi my name is nicholas and i was born while the sun was transiting the constellation cancer so it's helpful to kind of know the method to why we have a moon sign why we have a sun sign it's not just arbitrary right it's these luminaries are actually transiting one of the twelve zodiac constellations at any given moment and the moment of our birth is what determines our sun and moon and rising sign Okay, so Mm -hmm. in terms of the rising sign, that's not determined by a luminary as it is so much determined by the time of birth. So the rising sign is the constellation that is on the easternmost horizon while the person is born. It is rising, right? Because all the planets and all the luminaries rise in the east and set in the west. So it's also really beautiful to note that in one day, all of the zodiac sign constellations rise and set. So in any given moment, there's a zodiac constellation on the easternmost hemisphere for about an hour and a half. So when all 12 have risen, the day is complete. Okay. So for the rising sign, that in you being a Scorpio rising, the constellation Scorpio was on the easternmost horizon the day that you were born. And since you were born while the sun was transiting Cancer, then the sun was in Cancer. Now, the rising sign represents the cover of your astrological book, right? So it's the energy that you walk into a party with. It's the energy that people immediately perceive when they first meet you for the first time. And it's kind of a helpful analysis because I'm sure people may have wondered like, hey, I wonder what my first impression is. Well, look no further than your rising sign to know exactly what your first impression is. Okay, because that's the first thing that's on the horizon of your natal chart. And it's the first energy you walk into when you meet somebody for the first time. The sun represents where we get our life force. 
and the sun in astronomy is the life force of our galaxy, right? So the sun represents what motivates us. What's our, what's the position in terms of, is it, it, it do I want to download this energy? Do I want to access it? How do I understand what it means to be a cancer? How do I let this story represent the source of my power, right? Because that's what the sun represents. And it's that which we need to achieve in this lifetime, okay? And the moon sign, uh, and as, as we've discussed, the sun transits uh, a zodiac sign for about a month. Rising signs are an hour and a half. The moon sign is every two and a half days. So when you were born, the moon was transiting the constellation Virgo, thus determining you a Virgo moon. So the moon archetypally, of course, represents the feminine impulse and the sun represents our solar kind of impulse, masculine impulse, right? So we project cancer, but you receive like a Virgo. All right. So the moon represents also our relationship to maternity, home, family, emotional safety. It's fight, flight, freeze, as we discussed or when you and me and Allison were hanging out in the East Village. Right. Yes. Or also, if uh, that's for men. Right. Flight, flight, freeze. And for women, it's flight, fight, freeze, protect and negotiate. Protect and negotiate. I didn't know if it was nurture or negotiate. It's negotiate. I love it. Right. And I, of course, women have more. <laughs> Yes, less superior, the superior gender, as we know, as we all know. Okay. Uh, And it also represents just really the storage of our feelings and how we express our vulnerabilities, how we lean into joy and how we lean into conflict. And I think when you look at all three, the stories of all three, then you really are kind of given a very accurate and multidimensional kind of narrative of your personality structure which astrology really does posit to its practitioners and into its clients all the time. And I think every one of us just wants to feel seen and understood and astrology will give you the vocabulary to do that. Uh, so that's how I would interpret from a meaningful perspective, the ascendant sun and moon. I hope that that was easy to understand. Yes. And I once heard it, uh, likened, I think it may have been Allison that shared this, uh, this allegory with me is that, your sun, your moon, and your rising are sort of like a peach where it's mm-hmm. the, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the skin is going to be your rising sign, exactly. the way that that's your first impression, correct? Well yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then the, the flesh of the peach would be your moon sign. And then the core, the pit would be your sun sign. That I would actually have thought, but I could be wrong because this is Allison's metaphor, so I don't want to take it over. But I thought it would probably have meant the flesh would be the sun. The moon is really the pit because the moon is really the heart of the chart. It's the crown jewel. It really is. And I think people live from their moon sign and don't even realize it because I think it does represent the subconscious, right? Like when you're subconsciously triggered, Nick, you will more than likely act like a Virgo. Right. So you're going to go into over rationalizing. Let me make sure that I have the right to feel this way. Do I have the right to feel this way? Now I'm going to punish myself for feeling this way. So what should I do about it? Should I just go clean (laughs) or should I just like actually use my words and tell the person that they just pissed me off? That sounds quite accurate. (laughs) The moon sign, right? I think that's where people operate from all the time, all the time. Yeah. Really understanding my moon sign is kind of what completely christened me to the school of astrology. So I am in full support of learning about the pit of the peach. Yes. Yeah. I may. I totally probably messed that up. Um, That's okay. That could very well be Allison's metaphor, but how I would understand it would be what I said. But hey, have her on and she can take me to debate. I'd love it. Oh, no. I think it was something that we had read together and she had shared it with me. So. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's great. Um, I use that. That's so helpful to understand. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Go ahead. You are the astrologer, not I. <laughs> that's okay. We're all students. We're all teachers, right? So, hey, I love that. That that's a great analysis. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. So, question. Sure. How do you feel about folks that use astrology as sometimes an excuse? <laughs> Surely you know the answer, Nicholas, just from the amount of time we spent together, albeit too briefly. Um, I think that is just lazy. Honestly, I think it's simplistic. I think that it's just uh, self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone listening, like when I say people using astrology as an excuse, I have heard things like, oh, well, I'm just this way because my Virgo is in... um, my sixth house or because mercury is 
um junked my neptune and it's retrograde bitch yeah like all this uh, complicated terminology and sort of like using that as like justifying behavior so i was just curious on your thoughts about that well i think that one of my kind of cornerstone spiritual touchstones which is not informed by astrology necessarily although you could argue it is uh is just radical responsibility so I am not a fan of anybody using any metaphysical, spiritual, secular system to blame, project, or kind of distance themselves from radical autonomy, uh, and especially astrology. Because if I looked at their Saturn placement, which is, I think is the planet of responsibility, I would understand why they are so good at deflecting it. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that astrology, just like any other form of um, faith, spirit, uh, belief system, what yeah. have you, yeah there's always free will that comes involved that is involved with it of course of course so the you know your astrology and your your birth chart is there to inform you but at the end of the day you you do make the decision yes the they say the stars impel they do not compel right so and and free will means free thought so you are welcome to think whatever you want about these systems and good luck to you right wishing you peace benevolence and self-actualization by all means right and you might also want to try working with this energy because it could actually give you something you never even possibly imagined and therein lies not a denial of your free will but a co-creation with the universe's will for you and i think that's always helpful to kind of know the differences between as well Uh, just to kind of make informed and righteous decisions when you're experiencing or interrogating really any of the metaphysical systems. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I love that you put in your book, Colin, is that you fully support sign compatibility across the board. There isn't this idea that like, oh, well, one sign and another sign absolutely do not get along. Right. Right. Well, first of all, thank you for reading it. Not that I would have expected you to be anything other than exceptionally prepared, Nicholas, but thank you for coming so prepared and and just receptive to that. I want to acknowledge how much that means to me. I do believe that every uh, relationship is compatible. Absolutely. So I think we should examine then the definition of compatibility, because I don't mean that everybody is going to be, you know, just having cheap, fun, fast and easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl relationship dynamics. I don't think the universe encourages that because the universe brings people together for soul growth and most of us learn and kind of experience soul growth through pain through difficulty through heartbreak through our needs not getting met right and therein lies actually compatible success and not compatible failure so i think we have to kind of use astrology's terminology to say well what's the assignment here between say a two cancers a cancer leo right like what's happening here under the hood in terms of not identifying it rather as good or bad compatibility but what in combination with each other could these two people learn about life and and spirituality from each other and then you're playing a completely different game with relationships completely different yeah and the way that you phrase it in the book it's as if you know every relationship takes work and effort yes. it's yes. just that when these two signs come together wherever you happen to fall on the zodiac chart it's just that there might be more emphasis on a certain area that will you know either strengthen or be a hurdle for that relationship but it is it, Every relationship has the capacity to work regardless of the two signs coming together. 100% because the willingness is absolutely everything. And as long as you have the willingness to work at the relationship in whatever form, expectation or dynamic you guys are creating together, you're going to be okay. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And I'm really glad that that resonated with you because, yeah, I mean, I'm a product of like a allegedly incompatible relationship dynamic. You know, so I'm just like, guys, can we step it up a little bit with this simplistic astrological relationship compatibility here? Right. Right. And then I think that breeds fear. You know, like I was just asked to get interviewed about divorce and astrology. I was like, I'm not going to fucking talk about that. That's way too sensitive. And like, why are we applying more shame and stigma to divorce and using astrology as the gasoline for that? Right. And I, I do know they're like coming back to people using astrology as an excuse. I... I, I have definitely heard, and I'm sure that I have said myself, oh, well, you know, oh, Geminis, I can't stand them. No offense, <laughs> Colin, because Colin is a Gemini for anyone that may not know. But I've definitely heard folks will be like, you know, oh, this particular sign, I can't um, and create this police barrier around them where it's like, right. do not cross this line. 
Right. And you know what you should say, Nicholas, if you're feeling really like, mm, right, like confrontational, say, enjoy your loneliness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. About it. I know. See, this is why you and I are friends, because I need a sensitivity pill. Right. No, it's really because when I hear that, what I know is that this person doesn't like to be triggered. And the universe is not invested in your comfort level, sweetie. Right. The universe is unless is invested in you getting over yourself and getting to work. And if an astrological sign is really the catalyst for that, you better thank your lucky stars that you met them. Because guess what? If you don't get the lesson with them, you're going to get it again in about 15 minutes because you're going to meet someone just like them as soon as you leave the room. Right. So good luck with that. Right. And the day will come where you meet somebody who happens to be of that sign. Yeah. And are you going to be like, once you find out, you know, maybe over your first date and you drop that whole, oh, what's your sun sign? Right, right, Um, right, right, right. Will that be the impetus to get up and leave or right. to throw the drink in somebody's face because they happen to be what you previously thought of as an incompatible sign? Exactly. And you know what, Nick, what you're talking about, too, is this idea that I'm really fascinated about within universal spiritual themes is that we do not perceive our own best interests. So anytime you're like, <laughs> I could never date a Taurus, right? Well, let's really examine how well do you know what you need at any given moment? Yeah. Right. Because I bet your greatest mistakes started out as really good ideas. So what's great about astrology is that it actually kind of provides you with a schedule and a curriculum and themes and transits that help you understand what the universe's kind of interest is for you. And you can work with it and find a lot of success and happiness from that. Or by all means, think that you know everything. And again, enjoy your loneliness. Right. (laughs) But all the best things challenge you. That's the thing. You grow from challenge. Precisely. And astrology gives us very helpful vocabulary to sort of know, is this challenge, where is this taking place in home and career and relationships and emotional safety? Does my verbal communication need to step it up? How am I doing in terms of compromise? Do I have intimacy issues I need to be aware of? Right. Astrology can really locate those those challenge topics all the time if we're willing yeah. to work with it. Yep. Another uh, concept that has fallen into or I should say another astrological term that has fallen into popular mainstream would be retrogrades. So like Mercury retrogrades, Venus retrograde, which I know that we're currently experiencing. Could you please explain to our listeners like myself, again, the the newbies to astrology, (laughs) what a retrograde is? Because I I was reading the book and um, Hmm. I did a bit of research to figure out exactly what, what a retrograde movement is. But if you could please elaborate. Yes. So the retrograde movements happen uh, with every planet except the sun and the moon. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the personal planets we will feel we will feel more deeply. So of course that's Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Right. So those planets will retrograde as does Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. Uh, And what happens, I find, from a transit level, and transit meaning when a planet is currently retrograde, as is Venus, while this conversation is being recorded, is that the zodiac inspires a the universe inspires the zodiac to review, reformulate, and reassess their relationship to all the Venus rule topics, which are values, the divine feminine within our chart, how we cherish the women in our lives, sensuality, romance, and finance. Right? Because modernity moves too fast. We are not given appropriate time to contemplate and integrate that which we have learned over these serious topics throughout the last six months into our nervous system. So when Venus retrogrades, it's a really important time for you to take a pause, for me to take a pause, and really kind of ask ourselves, how are we doing in this department, right? And thereby allowing that data integration to percolate into our thoughts so that we can make higher decisions based off of the values that we've now firmly implemented and we can walk with stronger integrity around these arenas so mercury retrograde happens three to four times a year depending on the year and that's of course the most uh, demonized and i was born during one so of course i'm very sensitive about it because i actually think mercury retrogrades are a really wonderful opportunity period for us to kind of remember hey you know what on my best day with my most prolific mental strategy, I could still fuck this up because on the way to a job interview, the E could cancel or whatever. And then I'm recirculated. And the next thing I know, I'm completely out of control, right? That's good because it strengthens my and your resilience, intellectual flexibility, throwing away a rigid plan, right? These are important moments for each and every one of us to really examine retrogrades as opportunity periods. 
Yeah. There are points, there are times to, to reflect. I yes, any like to think. verb with re is what we should do during a retrograde. Reevaluate, reassess, reformulate, right? Review, reimagine. All of those things under the kind of topics and ideas that the planet rules are kind of topics that we're going to want to reimagine while the planet is retrograde. So from an astronomical point of view, it's just when, you know, according to the distance between the Earth's hemisphere and the way the planets are located, it just looks as if they're moving backwards, but they're not. Um, because planets have an irregular axis in orbit. So it's almost like, have you ever been at a stoplight and the car to your left or to your right is going and you're not, but it feels like you're going? Yes. That's what a retrograde is from an astronomical point of view. The way that I understand it is as if you're driving, right? And you're driving alongside another car and both of you are going in a circle, but you happen to be traveling faster. So at one point, as you pass the adjacent car, even though you're both moving in a forward motion, because you are accelerating, it looks as if the your neighboring car Mm-hmm. is not only slowing down but going in a reverse direction even exactly. though it is it is traveling uh it is traveling forward just as just as much as you are exactly. it's just that the perspective is that it looks as if the car begins to travel backward until you catch up and hit that curve and then realize that the the planet or the car is actually moving in a forward momentum brilliant nicholas that's exactly it yep and yes. i love that you use the word perspective because That's also the kind of question in front of us is, how are my perspectives on uh, verbal communication, active listening and analytics during Mercury retrograde? Uh, Am I doing more talking than listening, right? Or am I think I'm really paying attention, but my head's up my own ass, right? You'll find out. (laughs) Retrograde. (laughs) I call the retrogrades too, like, you know, planetary benchmarks, where it's like the universe says, oh, sweetie, how you doing on this so far? Because if you kind of run through Easy Breezy Beautiful Cover Girl, then you know, okay, I am really mastering this. Like, I got it, right? And the same with the rest of the planets, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. You will get a, like a little benchmark, a little audit from the universe's IRS. Like, how are you doing in this? And if you get some success and rewards and joy, you know you're doing well. If you're experiencing resistance, discomfort, anxiety, and fear, then it's time to go back to the drawing board and think about what your perspective on these issues actually is. First, can I just say that I love that you pronounce it Uranus instead of Uranus. I know. <laughs> as is the the popular I way know. of saying it. I know. Well, I don't it's it's definitely like an astrological like de facto thing. We have to do it because we'll just all laugh. And like we're all five years old when we hear it. It's like I'm so guilty of it. But yes, I know I have to say Uranus. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that is the right way to say it. Uranus. Or Uranus. 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 I know. Well, I left Long Island, you know, so I don't want to talk like that. I had to get educated. (laughs) But yes, I try to say Uranus without laughing. Yeah. And I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Because nobody likes to sailor Uranus. I know. Exactly. And like, she wouldn't either. She's the baddest bitch. So like, you better say her name correctly. That's right. That's right, bitch. (laughs) I love it. Colin, one thing, um, just in conversation with someone I I had met over Pride Weekend, we had a conversation, you know, about astrology. And she mentioned that astrology has become adopted by the queer community as a sort of religion or faith-based system in a way that no other faith-based system, because uh, not to make a religion out of it, but no, right, something, right. sorry? No, I'm listening. Yep. Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah. So she was saying that like the queer community has adopted astrology as really their own faith-based system. Yes. And because most other organized religions generally don't support us. Right. Um, and I think there's a level of beauty in that. And yes. I wanted to hit on um, your moniker, Queer Cosmos, and I was wondering if there was any overlap there. Yes, because I think what I was realizing is that there were many successful queer astrologers, and there and there are, right? I am not the first, the only, or the last. And yet I wanted to kind of create a platform where we talked about the ways in which astrology is articulated and experienced through queer identities, right? So every month I'll share kind of how I've experienced um, the particular sun sun sign that we're transiting in through queer people, 
and you know just kind of make that that uh, character articulation less heteronormative, no gender pronouns, right? And just kind of more reflective of the patterns I've observed with queer Scorpio people, for example, because that was the last one that I posted. Your friend is absolutely right. I think there is something to be said over the fact that astrology and queer people were always othered. Right. Like the, during the age of enlightenment, astrology and astronomy and you, like just universal spiritual identities was all one. There was no barrier between them. And then age of enlightenment came and somehow astrology got kicked out of the organized religious elite. Hello. Who else feels that on a day to day basis? Disenfranchised queer people. And I think that both astrology practitioners and queer people feel a sense of solace from the fact that we use that kind of otherness to empower ourselves, you know, and there's this real sense of like knowing, hey, much like my queer experiences, astrology embodies my own feelings of abandonment, of not belonging, right? I think that's really beautiful. And there's no shame, stigma, judgment attached to the way that astrology theoretically is supposed to be practiced. And there's even room for like exploring Uranus. It's funny you mentioned that as like the queer planet, right? There's a whole there was a whole lecture about it in the astrology conference that I went to. Whereas like I don't see that happening in other kind of traditional you know religious spaces. As uh, you know, surprise, surprise, right? right? But I think there's a lot in common there. Like the, like the link that I sent you about the witches, right? Queer people relate to othered metaphysical things. Tarot is extremely popular with us too. Yeah. Right. It's like that which is in the darkness, we then reclaim as our own. We use that disempowerment to then empower ourselves. And that's why we're some of the greatest exhibitors of these systems. Yeah. So, yeah. One hundred percent. I agree with what your friend said at Pride. Absolutely. And the other I do want to jump into to that link, which um, basically was drawing the connection between the queer community and witches, like how we just have such a strong affinity for yes. Um, divinely magical women. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and we kind of met uh, through a uh, iMessage chat that was dedicated to the Sailor Scouts. Same That's exact correct. thing, right? The archetype is exactly the same. This theatrical, bombastic, empowered woman really becomes like this beacon of inspiration for queer people. Yeah. And when I was reading the article, one thing that I thought was a standout point was that the witch in in culture in history mm -hmm. in literary form generally represents the empowered woman that is the opposite but equivalent to the powerful male yes 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 and the powerful male were the people who called us the f-word and were the most guilty of weaponizing their masculinity against us and other women right yeah so that's yeah. what we have in common is then seeing the empowered woman scaring the man. And that's what we love. We're like, yes, finally, someone's doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is that sure. for our trans community, I know that there can be two charts or like a, a an adopted chart that they could follow in order to yes. get some more accurate information based on identity. Yes, indeed. Because obviously I feel with my trans clients and our trans friends, we know that they have this context in their experiences around identity being assigned to them, right? Because they their gender was assigned to them at birth and they reject that through identifying as trans. And I think you could wonder, are astrological charts also wrongfully assigned to trans folks, right? So yeah. I've asked a few uh, trans folks who are astrology conscious to tell me which charts they relate to in terms of was it the one when they took their first breath, right? The natal chart of their first birthday, uh, or is it the natal chart of which they can accurately remember identifying as trans? Yeah. And they say it's both. I'm like, of course it is. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's not, right. it's not either or it's both. And not only, but also, which is so fucking queer too. Right. Cause fuck the binary, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And I think that's wonderful. And of course that's not everybody's reflection, right? I knew one who said, no, I entirely relate to my natal chart, just as there are those who I've also spoken to that said they entirely inhabit the chart of which they have calculated from the moment they identified as trans. Yeah. So yeah, and there's astrology once again proving a resource and just an, an application to gender nonconforming and trans people. Absolutely. Yeah, Colin. One thing yes, I, I also wanted to bring up: um, 
from the book very early on, you mentioned that astrology generally comes back to the forefront during conflicting times. Yes. Uh, And I wanted to pick your brain about that. Have you found that to be true? Because I know that astrology has definitely been on the rise since as long as I can remember. But now, I mean, yes, it's, it's a time of political and social contention. Yes. Have you found a marked difference in the increase, increased interest of astrology? I have. And I think it's because I think people are wondering, is there another, you know, kind of way to live life other than this attack, defense, emotional warfare, political drama? Is there another way to see people? And I think astrology, again, can be that space. It's not for everybody, right? It claims no monopoly on truth, and it's not necessarily inherently something everybody needs to know. But if I think it's for you, you know it. And I think people really rely on it during these complex political times because it gives them the template. It gives them a sense of self-awareness. It gives them a sense of, like, you have a function to fulfill here. Right. Right? And please please tend to that function because everybody's is different. But if everybody tends to theirs with radical responsibility and empowerment, then this could actually be the solution to turn the ship around. Right. So, yes, absolutely. And I, it's extraordinary. And I think the astrologers that are really gaining traction right now are the ones that can talk about complex political social issues through the lens of astrology and also practical application as well. Because rightfully so, consumers of of information are not necessarily trusting of traditional corporate media. They're not trusting of clergy. They're not even trusting of parents, right? So astrology can be that place to say, your reservation and skepticism is valid. Let me help you with this resource. Yeah. Now, is there a way that we can use our our personal astrology as a way to inform ourselves and respond to, you know, our environment, our divisive environment? <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Because I think that if we're looking at the spaces in the chart that can really kind of contextualize what your purpose is right now, you're going to want to look at your midheaven. You're going to want to look at your Neptune. You're going to want to look at your Saturn, right? Mercury. How are you doing with communicating with people who disagree with you? Mm-hmm. Right. And just really know that from those positions, you will be given a very kind of helpful and specific manual uh, to really direct you into where you need to go. I also think that what I love about astrology is it does have an angle where all one needs to do is ask and you will be given the direction you need. Right. Yeah. So ask the inner conscience within. Right. What is my function here? What do I need to do? What do I need? How do I need to step it up? What do I need to let go of? Who do I need to talk to? Right. Where do I need to go? Right. Astrology can be that for you, but it also says trust no further than your own intuition because that's the Neptune placement. And Neptune represents our communication with the divine. And if you want to receive direction, all you need to do is ask. Yeah. Which goes to show that astrology is so much more than just your horoscope, which I know people take it at that level. And then it's like, oh, I'll I'll read my horoscope, see if it applies, which depending on the source may or may not feel arbitrary. Right. um, It it goes so much deeper than that. Yes. And I think what's because you're a Harry Potter fan, as I know. Right. Absolutely. Hello. I think that it's almost like the room of requirement. It's like astrology will give you what you need, right? If you're looking at this space where like you just want a quick, you know, easy, direct assessment, it'll do that for you. If you want profound spiritual rigor and depth, it'll give that to you too. Whatever you need, it's there. I love that. And, And there's no, there feels as if there's nothing preconceived about astrology. It just sort of is, you know? I know. Well, because it's, it, it was the, the Tetra Biblios, which are the four books inscribed in the Middle East. So we're, we're talking about modern day Iraq because it was Mesopotamia and Assyria. That those were scribed in 3500 BC, right? That's so before, well, before Christ, but before. now it would be what? BCE, before the common era. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Virgo. Ooh, sorry. Oh, I love it. BCE. Exactly. So yeah, we're talking about something literally older than time, practically. My God. And yet we're studying time, which right. I like too, because the irony is definitely not lost on me. But yeah, that it's it's such a helpful system. No matter what time you're looking at it, it can be so efficient for you, or it doesn't have to be for you too. And I hope you find whatever it is that you need. Yeah. I have one more question. Sure. 
for you and then uh then we can move towards a wrap up just because i want to be conscious of your time because i know that you have other more important things Stop it. No. the only thing that's important is me talking to you right now because i am present to this sacred assignment we have together nicholas go ahead well thank you sir um but as i was reading the book i was quite curious um how science affects astrology so I, I know at one point <clears throat> you do call out NASA being like, um, thanks for getting rid of Pluto, but she's still a planet. I, know. Uh, I put it in writing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I firmly support because I, I, I do love nine planets. Right. Um, but let's say, for example, because I know that NASA has been um, honing in on a potential what would be official ninth planet um, further out in the Oort cloud. And I was wondering if if we were to discover another planet that happens to be an extension of our solar system, mm-hmm. would that affect astrology? Would the whole system sort of recalibrate in a way that would include our new discoveries? Yes, because interestingly enough, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were not discovered at the same time as Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. I think Pluto was discovered in the 1950s, so it's it's quite new. And then just as it quickly as it appeared, we had to say goodbye to our little dwarf star. Aww. No, so I think that, yes, to your point, what I've heard through astrological lectures is that when science discovers new planets, it's usually at the dawn of new expansions in the collective conscience, right? New planets signify a wider kind of understanding about around identity and the collective good. Interesting. So, yes, I'm sure that that exactly what it would mean. And then astrologers would need to say, okay, how can we incorporate this energy and how is it applicable to make sense of the complex times in which we live? Yeah, whenever new planets are discovered, that's usually when the printing press is then kind of just, you know, expanded upon and when democracy was enshrined in the United States Constitution. I mean, radical experimentation usually kind of follows new explorations and discoveries of planets. So isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating. I love it because it, it combines two of my very favorite things, which happens to be spirit and science. Yes. And you know um, what, Nick? Uh, according to A Course in Miracles, spirit and science at their peak are the same thing. I totally believe that. Me too. As Stephen Hawking would say, you only need to to look at science and the, the, the fundamentals of science to see God or, you know, mm. the, the creation of the universe should lead you to uh, divine inspiration, I suppose. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Oh. And it, we get into so much trouble when we're so simplistic about, oh, no, it can't possibly be textured by both. Well, maybe it is. Right. And let's use that to our advantage to really kind of collaborate and discuss and debate and figure out like where we got it wrong, where you got it wrong and how we can improve together. Because that's where astrology was founded first was astronomy. Right. They were all one and the same. And then the Age of Enlightenment, we got kicked out. And I think of a lot of astrologers who have been you know, dying to get back into the club that doesn't want them. <laughs> it's yeah. like, worry about it. But yeah, I think that could happen in terms of new discoveries and planets and new awareness f- following that shortly after. Absolutely. And we always adjust to the new information that is provided. So, Because right. all we can rely on is that. Right. New information is always going to be made available to us. And who are we going to be? Do we want to keep wearing our children's clothes or do we want to like put our big boys and big girl pants on and like really use this information to move the conversation forward? That's right. It's like, do you want to be just a Sailor Scout or do you want to be a Super Sailor Scout? Ooh, Nicholas, (laughs) I want to be a Super Sailor Scout. I know you do, too. And I know all your listeners want to, too. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Colin, outside of your wonderful book, A Little Bit of Astrology, I know that you also provide chart reading services, correct? Yes, I do. I do uh, natal chart readings, solar return readings, Saturn return readings for anybody born with Saturn and Capricorn. So that's 1988 to 1990 or 1959 to 1962 and compatibility readings as well. And where can we find you in order to get our chart read? You can find me at queercosmos.com forward slash readings. And that's where my rates and options are there for you. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at colin at queercosmos.com. If you wanted to kind of learn more about the technique before purchasing, that's totally fine. So, yes. And a copy of A Little Bit of Astrology by Mr. Colin Bedell can be found on bookshelves across the world, as we found out. (laughs) It's crazy. Today. Today. And you know what, Nicholas, I wanted to also tell you 
that uh, the transiting North Node, so that's the pretty much the North Star of the universe, okay, uh, stays in a particular zodiac sign for two years every 18 years. Today, the North Node enters Cancer. Yes, Cancer girl. Yes. So I, I wrote in my horoscopes that what the universe needs from you right now and any Cancer person listening is to really express that which comes so prodigiously to you at the front of the lines because cancer energy is going to be the one that takes us home because that's what we're all about that's what you're all about so emotional safety building a family right treating everybody like they are family because if we do then we'll take care of each other and we're not going to find ourselves in horrible emotional warfare right yeah and just really like tending to the safety of children tending to the safety of family honoring the divine feminine within you know and just like imagining home as a place that we cultivate and protect and, and honor that those are the core themes of the universe for the next two years. And I just think it's really fascinating that the North Node went into cancer today and today is election day. It sure is. Well, as uh, in, in the words of the lovely Miss Lady Gaga, come to mama. Yes. And I think she has a Mars in cancer. I got to double check, but I think she has a Mars in cancer. Exactly. Yes. So I, I wish you the best two years, Nicholas, truly, because you are the leader of the Zodiac now. Like the baton has been passed. It's you. It's All right. Well, so make us. I will do my due diligence to uh, to hopefully lead us in the right direction. You will. I know it. I trust it. And we have a team of people who are happy to support you in whatever way we can. Well, thank you very much. Of course. And Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. And I can only encourage everyone listening to go out and pick up a copy of Colin's book, A Little Bit of Astrology, which will give you all the information that you need to get your feet wet, to use a nice little Cancerian yeah. analogy there, uh, <laughs> in the world of astrology. So head on out to your local bookstore, pick up a copy of A Little Bit of Astrology. And again, Colin, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for listening, everybody. I wish you a wonderful Cancer North Node story. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Colin and feel more inspired to learn about your own personal astrology. A huge thank you to Allison Strickland, who joined me as my co-host for this episode. And once again, you can discover more of Allison's artwork on her Instagram page at Allison Strickland underscore. I told you that? No, I'm saying like that the oh. society. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we'll be chatting with Martha Benson, the artistic director of the Lady Shakes Theater Company here in New York City, and learn about how Martha and her team are putting a new female twist on Shakespeare's timeless works. And if you've been enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date when new episodes are released every Tuesday. I have been your host, Nick Polifrone, and as always, thank you for listening. This has been a Typed Out Production.